Jesus said there would be few that would find it. And I don't think he was talking about the Sunday afternoon of singing school um, at the conclusion of the meeting. But few have found it. Uh, You have endured. Uh, You're either gluttons for punishment or really, really devoted. So we're going to go with really, really devoted uh, this afternoon. And I want to wrap up the meeting. I'm just going to have a few comments. And Elizabeth always gives me a warning. Don't say you're not going to talk for a long time. Um, But it's not my intention uh, to speak to you for very long this afternoon. But want to wrap up with some thoughts as we consider the faithfulness of God that we've talked about all week and, and really what that um, concludes in. And, and ultimately, it concludes in our eternity with God. And the clicker's not working, so he's got me now. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we talked about this morning how that fellowship puts us into this church and and gives us a great mission, right? And our mission is to preach the gospel to this world so that other souls can be added to this fellowship and we can enjoy the blessings of God's kingdom together. But all of that works to an eternal purpose that we would be sanctified and fully redeemed at the coming of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you this afternoon, do you believe in eternity? Do you believe in a place called heaven? Do you believe that one day Jesus is going to come back? And as the Bible reveals, he's going to come back in the cloud just as they saw him go. He's going to return. And in that return, there's going to be a change that happens to us if we're alive when that happens. That immediately our bodies will be changed into a glorious immortal body. And if we have died in the Lord, then our bodies will come up out of that grave and and that body, no matter how long it's been in the grave, will be transformed into a glorious eternal body that will be fit for the eternal kingdom of God. I'll tell you, that's a magnificent story, isn't it? I want to tell you today, it's true. God's word is faithful. And when Jesus makes a promise of an eternity with him, we have to trust that that's a reality. It's not a dream. It's not just something there to keep us motivated to being good people in this life, but it's actually a place where God dwells and He wants us to be with Him forever. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you heard from the beginning what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. That's that fellowship we've talked about. And then notice verse 25, and in this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. So as much of a blessing as the church is to us in our earthly life and the encouragement we get of sharing our faith with one another and and building one another up as we are God's people, he's preparing us for an eternity with him. We had two souls added to the kingdom this morning. I want to tell you, we had two souls who had an eternity with God begin this morning. As they were born again, they will never face another day in their life, provided they walk faithfully with Him, that their God is not with them. They will never face a challenge where God isn't there dwelling within them through His Spirit to encourage them in their walk and their relationship with Him. That's security. 
That's something we all need, and and all of that is for the purpose that he will redeem us and get us to that eternal life that Jesus came to promise to his people. Paul writes about heaven. I want you to think about Philippians chapter 3. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Isn't that what we've talked about all week? Is we have to either choose to listen and trust the faithfulness of God or we trust the, the, the words and, and the voices we hear in the world, right? Who are trying to lead us away from God. And Paul said there's a lot of people walking contrary to Jesus. Don't follow them. Follow us who are trying to imitate Jesus. And he says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their God is their own desires, and they're heaping upon themselves carnality and sin. And he says the glory, and they glory, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. He said, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a, await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul writes to these brethren and says, listen, follow us. Not because we're doing everything right and we're perfect, but we know who we follow. Can that be said of you in your life? Can other people follow your example as Paul charges these Philippian brethren to follow him and the others that were walking after Jesus? See, that's the type of life we have to live because our life is ending in an eternity with God. And how many people do we want to be there with us? How many people does God desire to be there with us? He desires the whole world that the world might be saved. So he says, but our citizenship, where we belong, isn't on this earth. There are a number of old hymns that we sing like, this world is not my home. And what's the next line? I'm just a passing through. And we have to have that mentality that we don't build our life trusting in what this world says because we're only here for a short time. Even if we live to be 90 years old, what is 90 years in relation to eternity? James says it's but a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And eternity remains. So our focus, our goal, our aim, our citizenship, where we belong is in heaven with God. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talked about uh, the kingdom and that Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You know when people do that to us as Christians, how we should react? You know, we want to react with what? Frustration. We want to react and, and yell back at them and, and we want to have the debate and we want to argue. You know what Jesus said? He said, Rejoice. When the world speaks against you and hates you, you rejoice. Because you know what that means? You're following him. Because as Jesus was on this earth, guess what? The world hated him. And I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice of, of not understanding the gravity of the hate that this world had for our Savior. They despised him and everything that he stood for. And he tells us rejoice and be exceeding glad. You know why? For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. God's people have always been a voice of opposition to the powers in this world. And that's not going to change. Because our motivations are different. What drives us is different. And our goals and our aims and what we're working for is different and contrary to what this world tells us. 
So we're going to be different. That's okay. You know why? Because great is your reward in heaven. And if this world hates you, embrace that. Rejoice and say, I know who I believe in. And I know what he's committed to me. And I know he's going to deliver upon that promise. Revelation 21 and verse 3, John writing, and certainly I believe this is speaking of, of the church, but sometimes we have to really make that connection that what is heaven? Yes, it's the dwelling place of God, but heaven is the Lord's church glorified for eternity. So, so though we see this coming of this kingdom and the church in the first century and, and John even writing about things that must shortly come to pass to those brethren in the first century, what they were going to be struggling with, the persecution to those seven churches in Asia, he also gives them a perspective of eternity to encourage them. And he says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he that said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You see, those words were written to those brethren that were going to be persecuted, some of them put to death for their faith. And guess what the Lord was encouraging them to do? Stay faithful. Endure the persecution. Endure the hate. Endure the pain. Endure the physical beatings. You know why? Because God's made a promise. That though you suffer in this time and, and you suffer with sickness and pain and, and loss and despair and depression and all those things, there's a place where none of those things exist. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> How many people today are desperately seeking to escape the reality of their existence in this world? And they seek out ways to escape it and, and all of those ways only compound the misery and the pain of what they're going through. Substance abuse, self-harm, manipulating other people, having unhealthy relationships, all those things are, are people grasping it, trying to find fulfillment and peace. And God says, you know what? Endure this life. Endure the pain. Endure the sickness. Endure the sorrow. Because there's coming a time where, guess what? All of that's going away and I'm making all things new. And I believe the Lord wipes away our tears today in His kingdom. I believe we look at death differently as children of God than people in the world because we know death is not the end. And though we sorrow for the loss of a loved one, guess what? We rejoice because we know this life is not all that there is. And I want to tell you, that perspective alone will help you endure things in this life. But your heart and your mind have to be focused on that eternity with God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. Paul was in distress over this very choice and, and this idea. He says, you know why? He said, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. 
but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul knew the work that the Lord had called him to do. He fully embraced it, didn't he? We talked about that this morning. And how we need to embrace that labor and that work and do all we can while we're here. But Paul said, man, if it was just up to me, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Because that's far better. Do you believe that today? I'll, I'll tell you, I love my life. I'm a blessed man. I have a beautiful wife. I have three beautiful children. And Josiah. <laughs> I have four beautiful children. <laughs> we have a wonderful community that we're a part of in, in Lyford, Texas. We have a, a beautiful home. Uh, we get to do work like this. It, we're, I'm blessed. I want to tell you, no matter how blessed you are in an earthly sense, if you had the opportunity to be with Jesus today, you should take that opportunity. Because to be with him is far better than even the greatest of circumstances here on this earth. And that's what Paul is saying. And I think we had that conversation the other night, didn't we? Some of the teens, some of the younger people, they said, oh yeah, we want to go to heaven, but just not right now. <laughs> not, we're at singing school. This is fun. And I said, I understand. And they asked me out riding a road, aren't you scared? And I said, well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, you could die. And I said, and be with Jesus. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, but you don't want to do that today, do you? Well, I mean, of course, I'm not going to nihilistically go and harm myself on purpose because it's up to the Lord to determine my time, right? And while I'm here, I'm going to work and labor, but I have to have the perspective that if I'm called home today, praise God, because I'm with Him, and that's what I'm living for. And it doesn't matter how old you are and what plans you have, you have to have the perspective of being with Christ is far greater and you're with him here, and you'll be with him in eternity. For he will never leave you or forsake you. I'll tell you, that's hope. And that's hope because of his faithfulness. Now, I want you to think about this. You ever read the book of Hosea? Hosea is a very interesting minor prophet. It's a very interesting story. Because you know what? God instructs Hosea to do in the first chapter of Hosea? Go marry a whore. King James says whoredom, so I can say whoredom. <laughs> right? That's what God said. You go marry a prostitute. You know why God told Hosea to go marry a prostitute? Because he said, I want my people to understand what they've been doing to me all along. Because God was a faithful husband to Israel, wasn't he? God loved Israel. He caused them his son. He brought out a bondage in Egypt and delivered them and emancipated them. And said, I've proven my faithfulness to you over and over and over again. And, and you're mine. You're my possession. I've cared for you. I've provided for you. I've been faithful to you. And Israel, you just keep going after these other gods. You keep committing adultery on me. So I want you to get a picture of that. So Hosea, my faithful prophet, go marry a whore. Man, think of the faith of Hosea. Lord, wait, are you sure? You're wanting me to go marry a prostitute? And what did Hosea do? He went and married a prostitute named Gomer, right? Now, wouldn't you think Gomer, being that prostitute, would say, you mean a prophet of God wants to marry me? Wow. I'm going to change. 
You mean this faithful man is going to devote his life to taking care of me, a prostitute who has sold my body and been with numerous other men and let them have their way with me? And this righteous prophet of God is going to marry me? I'm going to change. I'm going to be faithful to him. Isn't that what we think would happen? What'd she do? They had children. And guess what? She still goes out and sleeps with other men and commits adultery on him numerous times. And you think God would feel bad for Hosea and say, Hosea, well, you tried. You did your best you could. But I understand, hey, she made her decisions. No. You know what God told Hosea to do? Look at chapter 3. And the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethage of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. You know what God told Hosea? I know she's been unfaithful to you. I know Gomer has gone out and continued being a prostitute. But you go purchase her again. Is God faithful? And he was instructing his people by that example of what God was willing to do for them. That even when they committed adultery against him and worshipped pagan gods, God was still saying, I still want you. I want to tell you, in our earthly carnal mind, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense in my head because you violate my trust like that, I'm done. But God is faithful. And God kept running after Israel. I'm going to take you back. You're mine. You just got to get it through your head and understand who you are and and what you can be. Just like Hosea had it. He went and had to buy her again. And he did it. Could you imagine her being on the auction block as a slave, as a prostitute? And them saying, okay, here's Gomer. Prostitute, been with hundreds of men. A whore, starting price, and it's silent. And no one wants to purchase her. Nobody wants her. She's used up. She's been abused. She's nothing. But then in the back of the crowd, guess who's there? Hosea. I want her. I'll pay everything I need to pay to have her back. Oh, yeah, she committed. uh, No, she's mine. I want her. I desire her. Because I'm faithful. I love her. I want her to be with me. We like to think we're Hosea in that story. I want to tell you, we're Gomer. We're Gomer. You know what God is doing? No matter how far we try to run away, no matter how many times we turn to sin and away from Him, Guess where he's at? He's saying, I bought you. I paid for you. You're mine. Just come be with me. I'm faithful. I'll take care of you. Give you everything you would ever want. 
and eternity. I think that's a beautiful picture in Hosea of God's faithfulness to us. And the reason God is so faithful is because Jesus made a promise. In John 14, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Why would he say, let not your heart be troubled? Because their hearts were troubled. They had concerns. They had anxiety. They had problems and issues. And Jesus says, listen, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Jesus sees us in our sins. Jesus sees us in our iniquity. He sees us in our anxiety and our stress and all the things this world is is heaping upon us. And guess what he says? Hey, let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) Okay? Lay all that aside. Believe in me and trust this promise. I've prepared a place for you. You know why that verse matters to me? It's because when I read that, I read it as if Jesus was talking directly to me. Jesus said, Chase, don't let your heart be troubled. Chase, you believe in God? Chase, believe in me. Chase, in my father's house are many rooms. And Chase, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Chase, if if I go to prepare a place, I'm going to come back. And Chase, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to accept you. I'm going to bring you so you can be with me and my father forever. You insert your name into that and read that promise. I want to tell you that's how much God loves you. This afternoon... Let's be ready for eternity. Let's be ready for the Lord to return. Let's embrace and look forward to that heavenly home that's prepared by Jesus. Jesus has already prepared it now. When he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead, guess what? That place was prepared. And an entrance was opened. And now all we have to do is repent of our sins and be baptized into Jesus Christ to enter into that relationship that will what? Allow Him to wipe away our tears. Allow Him to take away the heartache and the pain and to replace that with joy and peace. And then we have an eternity to look forward to praising God around His throne. And I don't want to miss that. And I don't want you to miss it this afternoon. So if you need to commit your life to Jesus and confess your faith in His promises and you need to be buried with your Lord in baptism to embrace and accept that offer, you need to do that. Maybe you're here, and as a brother or sister in Christ, you've doubted heaven. Maybe you've doubted Christ. I tell you, life's hard. And if you're honest with yourself and say, hey, you know what, I have doubted, I've wavered in my faith, I haven't been as strong as I needed to be, then guess what? This invitation is for you to come to seek forgiveness and restoration and trust that our God is faithful to restore and to forgive so that you might inherit the promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. And if we can help you with that, please come, have a seat on the front while we stand and sing.